Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. It is Tuesday, February 27th, and Michigan State is the outright Big Ten champ. Wow. Woo! I mean... As Ric Flair would say. We came into the season like, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, feeling good. And then got kind of... Got rocky back there. It it wasn't the smoothest flight. There was a bit of turbulence. Uh, but we're at the coming out the other side. But see, there, there was, it was just like a weird week. There was just one really yeah. just just a bad week. But you know, and sure, there have been some other closer calls, including this past Sunday, which was not the most comfortable of victories. Uh, but at the end of the day, Michigan State has wrapped up um, a historic season regular season in program history um, amazing year in an unbelievable year first first time being outright champs uh since 2009 uh, some people will point out that's almost 10 years ago but there have been some shared big 10 titles and in, intermixed in there as well um but first outright one in in quite a while uh ended the regular season on a 12 game win streak set a school record with 28 regular season wins seems good it's pretty good um Really, just an an incredible season, uh, and in, and that season was more than just the team. It was it was reflected in the um, postseason awards, which came out Monday night. Um, four big four Michigan State players uh, made some form of the All Big Ten team, um, highlighted by Miles Bridges, who was unanimous first team All Big Ten, both coaches and media. Uh, Nick Ward was third team All Big Ten in the media. Honorable mention from the coaches. Cassius Winston, uh, third team All Big Ten coaches and media. Uh, the guy who brought home the the most awards, the most hardware, was Three J, Jaron Jackson Jr. Comes, boy. comes home with the uh, unanimous Defensive Player of the Year from the coaches. He was also Defensive Player of the Year from the media. Um, and you know why he was Defensive Player of the Year? wasn't because of his adept stealing ability. Mm-hmm. Mostly has to do with his insane block rate. And also... Um, Pretty strong. Yeah, up to 7th all-time in Michigan State history in blocks. A season's not over. ninth all-time in Big Ten season, single-season history. Still a little bit of ways to go. Um, and 81st all-time in Big Ten career. Truly a, a prolific season. He earned that award for sure. Also, the... Uh, was the freshman of the year in both the coaches and the media, um, giving Michigan State 
its second straight freshman of the year after Miles Bridges did it last year. And actually, it's third in the last six years after Gary Harris did it in 2013. Oh, I miss him. Yeah. Well, we all do. Hey, uh, oh, before you keep going, and I know we're going to give love to all these guys. Three-peat? Is there anyone you think that could pull off a three-peat? Next year? It's freshman, freshman of the year? year? Oof, that's a tough question. That's going to be a tough one next year. Who would it be? Uh, Who do you got? If I had to pick, that's a great question. I know. We'll probably explore that one a little further. We will explore it later, but I it's going to have to be one of the forwards. I would think that uh, between... Aaron Henry and Marcus Bingham. I mean, Marcus, I, as you, as anybody who's listened to this can tell or has seen my Twitter, I'm a big Marcus Bingham fan. Okay. I think he's got Adrian Payne written all over him. Yeah. He's a little, he's much, actually he's much more developed at this point than Payne was. Um, you know, obviously he, he would fill a, a, the Jaron Jackson role really nicely. It's hard to expect anything close to what Jackson has done. Mm-hmm. Um but there is room for a third forward, and it's possible that uh, you know he could keep Xavier Tillman on the bench if his skill set really does translate the way that it should. So um, he would be my pick now. But I think Aaron Henry and, and Gabe Brown are, are sleepers only because they fit that role as a three pretty well. Well, yeah, but no, 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 we'll see. That's that's a tough one. And so, he- it's a loaded team. It's got that team's going to have a lot of upperclassmen and, and, on it. And last thing, um, because we will focus on this year's team, we're just really excited. Uh, <laughs> I would say that in any other situation, Foster Lawyer would have had a shot at freshman of the year. Real, he's just going to running into backing up the best point guard in the Big Ten next yeah. year. Yes, so, that's you know that's which is just good. Hey. Thing. Hey, good, good to practice again. It's a nice insurance plan. He'll be a first. He'll he'll get his chance to start as a junior. Um, but Jaron Jackson, uh, beyond the freshman of the year, player of the year, um, he was also a defensive player of the year. I should say he was also third team All Big Ten, um, and unanimous All Freshman in both coaches and the media. So um, those four account for you know along with Josh Langford, or just or Josh. Yeah, the only guy who gets left out. Um, they account for so much of what Michigan State does that uh, it's not surprising to see them um, being rewarded here uh, at, with with a with a heck of a lot of hardware. So, um, really, really fun stuff. Now, beyond just the the awards, there have been some just some incredible stat lines that have been put up yes. um, thus far across across the Michigan State team. So we're in the spirit of that. We're gonna use this week's rank 'em. Oh, it's time! It's time for rank 'em. We should get a little like a ditty or something to rank play em. right here. Rank 'em. Um, we've got four really impressive ones that I want you to rank. Um, okay. And really, all of these are pretty remarkable uh, in their own right. So we've got four the the four guys we just named. They've each had at least one statistic this year that sort of boggles the mind. Yes. Um, so I want you to rank these. Okay. Miles Bridges free throw percentage, Nick Ward's field goal percentage, Cassius Winston's three point percentage, and Jaron Jackson's total block numbers. Now, as you rank them, let's just give people insight into exactly, or before you rank them, let's give people insight to exactly what they are. Okay. So Bridges free throw percentage is up to 89.8% from 66.2 a year ago. Remarkable. Nick Ward shot 67.4% from the field. Crazy. Jaron Jackson had 102 blocks, like you were just talking about. 
And Cassius Winston is shooting 56.5% from three. Come on. So I think I know where you're going to land on this, but I'll, I'll let you lead us off here as to give it. So start from the bottom, make your way to the top. All right. Um, you know, I'm, and again, no, no disrespect to, I mean, they're all insane. I'm going to go with the most, I guess the least most impressive to me of the four is uh, Jaron Jackson blocks. And least most impressive? Yes. Wow. And here's why. Not where I saw you going. I know. And here's why. Because um, he has a really adept... Long arms? He kind of yeah. has to. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, Go yeah. <laughs> he's got long arms and like, and, and no doubt he, he does a pretty great job of not just blocking the ball, but every once in a while, I think he's learning on the fly, like the old Bill Russell block, mm. where you don't just knock into the 10th row. You actually try and oh, keep yeah. it in play here. Because then you can turn it into, uh, you know, uh, a, a steal of sorts. You know, turn it around. And um, run out the other way. I mean, 102 is is nothing to to sniff at. But, I mean, like, man, I, I, I think that's got to be four for me. Even though that is, like, almost 3.3 blocks a game. Which is, like, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. But, like, that's four. Third, uh, for me, Nick Ward, uh, 67%. Um Wow. I, that is an insane stat to me, on, mostly because while he is a really strong, huge body, he is undersized. Yeah, and so he has to be creative. Much, not much, not too different from when Derek Nix had to get creative and had that drop step. Yep. Um, but Nick Ward, um, he went through a stretch there and towards the beginning, middle of the season, where he like didn't miss at all. It's kind of returned to earth. Doesn't meet discounted at all. Almost shooting seventy percent is amazing. And you'll if you follow me on Twitter, I'm annoying because all I will say when the going gets tough is to give Nor- Nick Ward the ball in the block. It's not a bad because idea. it's just, like I can live well, with that miss seventy percent of the time when yeah. he shoots, he makes the shot. I mean, yeah, two out I'm of not three. Mad about that. We're in good shapes, or he'll get f- fouled if he's in to fall. Fo- and, and I'll give him this too: he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on fouls because he's so Ever. strong. Um, which is too bad, but uh, that's number three for me. Number two um, is actually Miles Bridges' free throw percentage. And I know people might say, like, you know, how could you possibly rank that as, like, higher than uh, than Nick, Ward, Nick Ward's shooting percentage? Well, for me, um, it's because when you have uh, the best player on the team, um, the highest usage rate, and he is essentially money from the free throw line, yeah, like, you can't... There's that's so many points on the board. He is, he is second in the entire conference in free throw percentage. Second, by uh, 0.001% behind Jordan Bohannon, which is actually a cool story if you saw him. Yes, missing the free throw on purpose. So he's a little bit further behind Jordan. Right. But uh, I mean, when you have like the guy that is that has the ball a majority of the time, and he's getting fouled, and he's not your point guard. Like you have, you it's have a big deal. That's a huge deal. Now we have two guys on the court at the end of games that a I already wanted them to have the ball, but now I even more want them to have the ball. This isn't like a um, talk about a contrast from last year. And you got Jaron Jackson shoots almost eighty percent. Nick Nick uh, Nick Ward, J- Josh Langford is yeah. the other guy. I'm trying to well, Nick Ward that other player is up to uh, around sixty eight percent as well. I believe. I mean, is, he's the Achilles heel. That's the irony of this whole thing. It, yeah. Is a 68% free throw shooter is now the Achilles heel of the five guys that play the vast majority of the minutes. It's Go back good. to some of the Two, years yeah. past. And hope for like, one. I mean, I mean, last year was embarrassing. Yeah. You, I mean, so I, I agree with you. Bridges free throw percentage going up is 
pretty damn impressive. And then lastly, obviously that leaves Cassius Winston, but I want I want to put into perspective. This is a guy who he's a point guard. Okay, so um, rare <laughs> is he able to run off a ton of screens. You started to see them do that for him against Wisconsin. More down the stretch here um, as the season's worn on. I mean, I mean, you have to. I mean, at a certain point, you have to say this is the best three point shooter in the country. Uh, someone else, it can be Nick Ward for all I care, brings the ball up. We got to run him off screens and get mm-hmm. him opportunities that aren't just like one on one ball where he has to shoot from NBA, which he still hits. Right. But like, it's just, it is insane to lead the country in three point shooting percentage. And this is not a guy who just like uh, Nick Stauskas or, or, or even a Bryn Forbes that just kind of lives on the three point line. This right. is a guy who who is doing a lot more than shooting threes and is expected to do a lot more for, so that is number one for me. Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm going to, I'll start at the bottom too. Um, I'm going to kind of go a, a little more opposite than you. I'm going to say bridges free throw percentage is the least impressive of the four. I mean, and that just puts it into perspective how impressive it is. Sure. I mean, to, to jump your free throw percentage up 23, almost 24 percentage points is crazy. That's just mental. Mental fortitude. It's mental focus, toughness. It's focus. You know, it is like... And you know what's funny is like, they. I, I heard during that that uh, Wisconsin game, I believe, someone was talking about, one of the announcers, I, I think, was saying something along the lines of like, you know, Bridges' progression. And I know he didn't have a great shooting night at all against Wisconsin, but in general this season, he is such a better jump shooter. Like it's absolutely. remarkable. And he, and he plays a lot more on the wing. They said they were going to play him more on the wing and they absolutely have. And he's become, while the percentages may not reflect it as much, I think everybody who's watched Michigan state the last two years feels a lot more comfortable with miles pulling up for a jumper uh, this year than last year. And a good indicator of someone progressing as a shooter is their free throw stroke. So well, you've kind of seen that. It's interesting you say that. I mean, he's 14th in the country in free throw percentage, which, again, from last year to 14th in the yeah, country. Yeah, it's crazy. And then um, on top of that, like, you, you had a really good point. Um, the the one step forward maybe he can make in this po- in the postseason run here is, you know, we all got – kind of I think frustrated that he kept shooting jump shots yeah instead of taking to the pulled basket. up a, pulled up a little too early on several shots there's nothing wrong with the old adage of like sometimes you just got to see the ball go in the hole yeah go get fouled put it in the you, you know your money from the free throw line yep once you see it go in sometimes yeah. it gets a little easier oh yeah so 100 percent. so I'm I you know even that big two he hit at the end it's huge. Uh, you know, but he had an open lane to go to the rack, too. Well, we'll that's see. how confident I, he is in himself. I'm not going to complain about Miles Bridges. But the, the free, pro, field, free throw percentage is uh, lowest for me. Um, the next one's tough. I, I think I'm going to put uh, Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. at third. Um, I mean, 102 blocks is crazy. To already to, to destroy the Michigan State single-season record in the regular season is, is remarkable. And watching him is some of the most fun I've ever had watching a Spartan. Like he, it's, it's go, go gadget arms. Like I don't, I don't understand how he does some of the things he does. And I will miss him very much when he is gone after this season, but I cannot wait to watch him in the NBA because I think it's going to be more of the same, but um, I'm going to put his third um, partially because it just looks too easy. Well, he's going to finish uh, fifth all time, likely fifth all time in Michigan State, and finished with the fifth highest uh, Big Ten 
total blocks in a year. I mean, that's crazy. L likely, unless he goes higher. Yeah, that's just so remarkable. So um, the next one for me, is, the second one is Nick Ward's field goal percentage. I just, the fact that if anybody can shoot over 50%, that's impressive in a, in a single season, let alone 67.4%. That's crazy considering that when he gets the ball, you're, he gets double teamed all the time. Yeah. He still makes shots out of the double team and it hasn't allowed him to like, this indicates that he's not taking bad shots. Right. I mean, I, I mean, and he can finish with both hands. He doesn't even have a jumper to compliment that's, this. I think that's it's a incredible. really good point is that everyone knows what he wants to do. Well, that's just do. it. He wants to go over that, over his, uh, that right shoulder. Ideally. And, and, <laughs> and he still does matter. it all the time. Yeah, that must it's, be frustrating. It's really remarkable. And, you know, you saw teams, they still do it pretty frequently. He gets double teamed a lot because when he gets that ball, people know he's so automatic. But, he's like, he's gotten so much better at passing out of that double yes. team that it makes – I mean, talk about a weapon. So like that's so. like a guy you can run your offense through. To, they should. And teams that are not used to playing against a big like that that can make those plays, and if you don't push down on him, is going to score. It's an Isaac Haas type situation. Well, you put you put teams in a really tough bind. It's a good point. You know, that's interesting that you say that. Is because towards the beginning of the year into the middle point of the year, we saw him get doubled every every time. single time. And now what? Well, he's gotten a lot better. And he almost can't. Because the way this team shoots threes, right. you can't. I mean, when you have... Now that he's adept at passing out of it. Right. I mean, when your other four... Well, and you know what? This is getting a little bit away from the point. But when you have guys that can come off the bench and actually hit jumpers, yes. it makes your lineup so much deeper. And it allowed... The fact that Matt McQuaid's actually making shots now is just such... I can't even overstate how big of a deal that is. Because now you have that guard that can come in for... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, to come in for Langford, to yep. come in for Bridges, yeah. to to spell him, yeah. to spell either of those studs, and actually be a threat. It makes that well, offense so much more dynamic. And a strong defender. As we yeah, know, good wing defender. Probably the team's best wing defender. Totally actually, definitely the team's best wing defender. Which isn't... I do think people get that mixed up between being a being the best on the team and actually being above yes, that's average good. to good. I think he's above average. He's, I would never call him anything... Resembling lockdown. I will get into him in just a second when we back, talk Wisconsin, though. Back to Ward real quick. I think to your point about you know getting out of double teams really well, watch. Um, I, I will make a prediction. If if teams that don't know Michigan State, once we get out of Big mm -hmm. Ten play, if they attempt to double him while he is on the right block, stand up and high-five your friend. Right. Because he is left-handed and he will be able to pass out with a baseball pass out. Where he tends to struggle is when he gets it on the left block because he struggles passing out his, yeah. his, with his non-dominant hand. That's where we – it's not an automatic three. Yeah. Well, he can spin to the inside of the baseline too if somebody pinches down from the wing. I mean, he, he's such a weapon. But what and I'm, I'm saying <laughs> is the right block, yeah, double he's team, money. we're in great shape. Yeah, he's money. Uh, so Nick Ward is second for me. Where does that leave us? Uh, Cassius Winston. Uh, I don't know how that can't be the most impressive. To shoot – 56% from three is insane. And you made a great point. It's not like he's a spot-up Bryn Forbes-type shooter. And this is better than Bryn. He's a better shooter in this season than Bryn Forbes was. To yes. anybody that watched Bryn Forbes, that seems impossible. It seems yes. impossible. Correct. And he is, I think, by a pretty significant margin, better than Bryn Forbes. I mean, uh, 
Bryn Forbes is making a lot of money in the NBA yeah. to do one thing. Yep. And Cassius is doing, doing that better. better. Right. It's just, it's such, it, it hammers home the point to me. I mean, Michigan State doesn't win Sunday without Cassius having a, just a ball game, going six for six from deep. Yeah, and, no, I mean, you're right. Sorry, I was just going to say I have Bryn Forbes' numbers in front of me. Please. He he shot uh, his senior year 48% from three. 48% from three which, is insane. Which was easily, which was the second best in Big Ten history behind Diebler. 2011, who shot 50.2%. Okay, so just, I just want, that gives phenomenal context to this. The best ever in a regular season by a Big Ten player was 50.2. Cash has just shot 56.5, and not on a small amount of attempts. Correct. He, this development from him is as big as any other storyline that's happened all season. It's it's astonishing. It's and incredible to go to from a good three point shooter somewhere in the thirty seven thirty eight percent range to literally the best in the nation. Yeah, I mean, is incredible. Uh, it it can't be said enough. And like, and and the thing is, is I think we've been waiting all year for it to to for him to to come back to earth. And he just refuses to do and it. And it just hasn't happened. It just makes you wonder, like, is what? It, well, it's well beyond a blip on the radar. This is now who he is. This isn't. This isn't an anomaly. If you're wondering at home what the best was all time, um, if it, he is currently second, the se- currently holds the second best three point percentage since it's been recorded on from 1992 on from the dad base I have. Um, 59.03 from Brian Christensen at Colorado State, 96-97. Then uh, he would be right there. So he's two. the second best three point shooter in a single season ever. Today. Somehow that's getting Today. somehow that's getting lost, Today. and it's insane. Yes. But uh, and yet he was only third team All Big Ten, and someone literally described him as the weak link on the team recently. It's like just get out of here with that. This team, he can carry this team to a championship. But okay, so we've talked a lot about the individual that was rank stories. That was Rankum. That was probably our best Rankum yet. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> Felt good. Um, but now let's actually talk. Let's get into that the, the game on Sunday more specifically. We, you know, had some good takeaways from it. Uh, MSU wraps up the season with a five point win, sixty eight sixty three, uh, at Wisconsin, winning in the Kohl Center for the first time. Or is it still the Kohl Center? It is. Okay, somebody else changed theirs, and I got freaked out. Uh, I think you're thinking of Illinois. Maybe they went from assembly, the other assembly hall. The yeah. Something. Regardless, the Kohl Center winning there for the first time in four years. Um, which was phenomenal. We saw a lot of good and a lot of bad. It was a kind of just felt like a typical Michigan State at Wisconsin game where it's ugly uh, and Wisconsin just I don't know how they do it, man. I I I don't know how they do it. One, but I think my biggest takeaway is that I already hate Brad Davison <laughs> so much. Like it took all of. I don't know, five minutes of the, after that first game for me to be like, I'm not going to like this kid. And then this game was <laughs> all credit to him. He played out of his mind. Yeah. he well, The shots he hit in the second half were insane. It was step backs. And it, I was going to mention it earlier, but I think it's worth mentioning now specifically. Matt McQuaid was playing really good defense yeah. on him. McQuaid had a hand in his grill. And so did Langford. Mm-hmm. Every time down the floor, and he was just canning. Deep open jumper scored thirty points. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite an impressive game from him, especially after seeing him get hurt. Right, and he pops his shoulder out, and I, man, I tell you what, a there's nothing 
nothing a television announcer loves more than a kid playing hurt. The amount they talked about this guy, like, oh, and he must be in such outrageous pain. I think they just, like, get off on somebody being hurt. And uh, he definitely filled that role um, in mean, that game. So uh, the Wisconsin win uh, was a if you're quadrant two win uh-huh. if you're keeping yeah. track at home. Yeah, which uh, let's – Wisconsin's 14 and 17, and that's a quadrant two win. Hey man, don't sleep on at a boy committee. Don't, don't sleep on the at a boy committee. So uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm not going to hate on the amazing performance that Brad Davison put on. What I will hate on is everyone else. Is <laughs> I think for me it was just everyone crowning this kid as the next coming when the game before he had five points against Northwestern. I mean, this is. I mean, that was easily his best game of the year. Of course, and like, and that's great, and that's fine, and and I hate. I, it's unfortunate that our uh, guards defensively were just exposed. Like yeah, that. I mean that is a really bad. I mean, sign. I thought that they had. They didn't even play that poor. I, again, I thought the guards played pretty decent defense. It's not. He didn't make any easy shots. That's worth noting. Sure. To me. Yeah, I mean, this is a kid that before going into this game was something like, um, I want to say, thirty-seven percent shooter. Yeah. So like. I guess, I, I mean, he kept making the shots, and I was just kind of like, come on. And the only thing that kept me sane was, like, <laughs> my buddy who who loves who, who loves talking about everyone's mean. And he's like, you will regress to the mean. I did. He cannot continue. And, yeah. he, and it finally happened, and I was like, thank you. Yeah. I thought this was interesting. Besides Davison, we've already spent too much time on him. Um, two takeaways, uh, two other players I want to talk about. Actually, three. Um, I'll cover the first two really quickly, but uh, Brevin Pritzel mm. uh, looks like Hades from Hercules. Oh, for sure. I Great. made this ob- yeah, observation so on true. Twitter, and I noticed it like a year ago, and I just finally felt the need to talk I didn't to talk know that it. until you just said that. Yeah, now so I now I that. picture him talking like James Woods all the yep. time. Yep, perfect. So... There's Smart. there's there's that. The next is that uh, Aleem Ford kid. He didn't do much in this game. Played 27 minutes, only had five points. But he hit one three, and it was a smooth-looking stroke. And that kid is a freshman, I believe. Uh, and, yeah. Oh, sophomore. Uh, 6'8", 215. Had a nice-looking stroke. I don't think he's done a damn thing this year. Average is six points, three rebounds, and an assist. But and with the hyped. way, and I'm hot, no, just with the way that Wisconsin manages to get guys to have huge careers kind of out of nowhere, yeah. Uh, I just feel like he's going to end up being pretty good. Uh, and then finally, and I really am not surprised by this at all, but uh, second ga- straight game against Michigan State this year where Ethan Happ has really struggled, goes six well, of 17 from the field. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's funny because you talked last year about. You know what were the really bad matchups for Michigan State? Anytime they played a big yep. like Ethan Happ, um, this year. this year instead, just an absolute nightmare matchup for him. You had Ward did a fantastic job on him early, and then one of the things we definitely wanted to cover here was the job that two other two other guys did on him, freshmen, both of them. Uh, it two huge developments. Mm-hmm. Xavier Tillman came in and gave phenomenal minutes against Happ. Yeah, he made was, life really hard. He on looked. Ooh. I'm just telling you, man. I'm just telling you. Xavier Tillman has has game that we have not seen, and what you know, the fit with Ward will decide whether the fit with Ward and whether a Bingham is ready next year will mm-hmm. decide whether he's a starter or not. 
But he is going to be your first big off the bench, and he is going to be really damn good. I'm just telling you, Xavier Tillman is going to be the real deal Holyfield. Well, he's going to have all of next year to go against Hap because yes. Hap has now nowhere to go because of the last game you just saw. Every NBA scout just watched that game and said, huh, kid who can't shoot from 15 feet? Yeah. Not going to work in our league. He's not an NBA player. We can't right just now. Not. not this year. I mean, next year could make a huge jump and start to hit free throws and make jump shots. Now you're an NBA player. Well, I'm, I, but, I, but the thing is about Hap is he's not a shot blocker either. Like, he's, he's not a great defender. He's got slow feet. He is a, I think, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, probably gets picked in the second round. People are thinking about him because mm-hmm. you have that big plotting Roy Hibbert type center, but you don't have that. Also, you can't have a center that can't shoot and can't block shots. Well, it does not exist. And while I appreciate his very methodical um, way of getting the best shot possible for Wisconsin on a possession, don't work like that with 24 second shot clocks. So it doesn't work like that with 24 second shot clocks or athletes. <laughs> we I saw mean, you that saw him go against Xavier Tillman. Mm-hmm. Well, Six eight freshman, and then finally to close out the game, Jaron Jackson, who who they went back and forth a little bit. Well, he's got bulk on Jaron Jackson. Yeah, exactly. I think that what that exposed to me more than anything else was that Jackson is not a five right now. We see, and, he's not a five, and I think you know, against have, a big boy like Hap, he got bodied. bodied. And you know what though is the the big thing that you and I have noticed is, you know the the images of uh, Anthony Davis and. Uh, Giannis when they were oh, yeah. 18 years old to what they look like now. Let's just say significant. Let's just say there's been a large improvement in their frame. Yeah. And Jaron, every NBA scout, that's why they're drooling is because they see I can put 40, 30 pounds yeah. on this guy and no change. Easily. Nothing will change. Yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, like you said, you, again, I've said it for a while now. I think he gets very real looks as the number one pick. And I think he deserves them. Cause you talk about the body type stuff. I don't know where you're putting weight on Deandre Ayton. Yeah. Deandre Ayton is the thing with him right now is I think he is closer to being what he's going to be. Yep. Than Jaron. And Jaron's already really damn good. Well, let's just put it this way. While I don't think he'll be the number one pick. I believe he will get us, get a workout. I think he's got a chance to be the best player in the draft long term. No doubt. But I think, and we'll talk about this when the season ends a yeah. little bit more, but um, he has earned a workout yes. for the number one overall. I agree. So there's some good stuff from this game, but also some bad stuff. Uh, long know. stretches of no field goals from MSU, which is kind of what Wisconsin wants to do to you anyway. Yep. But um, yep. but that's not here's who that's not going to work against this year. One, Virginia, mm-hmm. who this is like this is like the RC Cola. Yes, version. Virginia Light. No, worse. worse. Like Virginia, if Virginia is Coke, so it's like <laughs> there's a joke from Parks and Rec did, that they had uh, off-brand Hydrox, which are the off-brand Oreo. Yes, called Hydrax. Yes. So would you say that Wisconsin is the Hydrax of Virginia basketball <laughs> at home? <laughs> at a home game, yes, they could aspire to that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, like that, you're totally right. They, that's what they're they're going to want to do is limit your possessions, but. At the same time, we destroyed them on the offensive glass. Mm-hmm. So that was maybe a little more concerning is that we were destroying them and still concerned. It was just missed, missed field goals. Missed, I mean, and, and the player that I think this falls on more than anybody else is uh, Miles Bridges was really bad. Until the last five minutes of the game well, he, was... He closed. Three, he did. He did what 
great players do, and he answered the bell when he needed to, but went 3 of 15 from the field. Um, just overall uh, a pretty a pretty ugly stat line. So he finishes he finishes with 10 points. He did have eight rebounds, made all four of his free throws in huge Situation. crunch times. Yep, absolutely huge. Three assists, no turnovers, which is weird for him, um, but went 0 of 7 from deep. Uh, three of 15 from the field total, just, just kind of an ugly performance for miles. And, um, we're not going to skirt around the issue, but I have to think that the, uh, the NCAA inquiry Mm -hmm. and his being named in the probe may have had something to do with it. Of course. These are, these are, these are young adults to think that they are, you can just turn it on and off and just say, okay, yeah, it's not reasonable. Just as people are affected at work by their personal lives. Yeah. So um, if you're looking for what happened this game, because you look through the box score, like you know, we out rebounded them by a heavy margin. You know, we got our uh, blocks that we averaged in the game. We held them to under 30% three-point shooting, uh, 37% right. field goal. Like, what happened? How do we only win by five? For me, the thing that stuck out potentially a season low in assists, ten assists. Yeah. Now, this is a team that averages almost 20 a game, as we've talked about, best in the nation. To get half of that, that's odd. And Winston, who played 38 minutes, mm-hmm. for him to only have five assists, it's surprising. that's surprising considering he averages about seven a game. Yeah, he. Uh, I think that's a great point. And part of that, I think, is a mechanism of what Wisconsin wants to do to you. They want to shorten the game. They want to take away possessions, which leads to fewer opportunities for assists. Mm-hmm. But it's also just, I mean, you're your highest usage player going over from three. I mean, he goes three or five teams in the field. If he makes four more shots. You're right. And that's the other piece, right? Is that, uh, our other NBA lottery pick didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jaron Jackson, I don't even part game. Yeah. He didn't even have a great game either. He ends up going, Uh, he he was was okay. Three of 10 from the field. One of six from three. Buy one from deep. Yeah. And you until late. Here's the worst part. And best. You remember, um, watching like, Travis tries shoot and it was Ugh. just like pure, you know, or like yeah, watching but it didn't Grin. spin. Yeah, which was weird, but yeah. you could tell if it was going in or yeah. not. Um, and so, and I feel like there are a lot of players you can't tell if it's going in. You will know immediately if Jaron is going to can it or not because yeah. it's always it's either long or money. Yeah, and you can tell that by the moment he shoots, if he pushed, if he leans in while he's shooting. Yeah, he pushed long, it. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So the good news with his long threes is he's actually. Um, in the best position to rebound, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. But, but he's been uh, two for his last ten from three after going five of eight against Minnesota. So I love that he um, still he was over six, over five, and he still put put it up at the end. Yeah, of the game. I mean, I, listen, I don't think anybody is going to complain about a forty percent three point shooter. Because exactly. I mean, his his percentage has come down to forty two percent. So I, I think everybody's okay with him. Him launching, and this was the first time. I mean, he played the most minutes he's played since the last time we played Wisconsin. It's first time over twenty-five minutes. He played thirty-one. First time over twenty-five minutes since uh, Indiana. So yeah, he's um, a, he's interesting in conference play. He's averaging uh, overall about twenty-two minutes a game, mm-hmm. um, and we know he's been hampered all year by foul trouble. Um, and and even so, he played eighteen and fourteen in the two games prior to the Wisconsin game. I think we've been saying if he can play 22 minutes that are non-stressful minutes, yeah. meaning he's not thinking about anything but basketball yep. instead of like, not I can't follow. Right. I can't play my game. 
then we are in such good shape. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting moving forward. I think I, I do want to touch on the on the Miles thing again really quickly. Yeah. You know, um, I, you don't want to start sounding like the the fake news police when you, when you get all worked up about uh, the level of reporting because I don't really feel that way. But you know, to anybody out there who's saying how is he eligible to play after. All of this stuff. First of all, Michigan State cleared him. The NCAA cleared him. There was a swift investigation. It was found that he received like $40 from somebody. No, no, no. So the penalty for not knowing that your parents received uh, a paid for lunch is that you have to cover the lunch as if you were there. So he had to pay $40, $40. to a charity of his choice. Okay. Okay. And, and the only part, the part of this that I just find a little bit uh, distasteful is... Um, the fact that there are guys out there like Dennis Smith who received like seventy thousand dollars, something like that, like like just crazy amounts of money, yeah. and yet Miles Bridges, he of his parent accepting maybe I've heard four hundred dollars, and then you know someone getting treated to a lunch for forty dollars, um, before he even stepped foot on Michigan State's campus, by the way, mm-hmm. um, being you know getting his face plastered out there as the face of all of this bad stuff, it just is, uh, it doesn't sit great with me because, I mean, I get it, you know, he's the biggest name, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it just is, it's not painting a, 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 an accurate picture. So um, that's just me. And I'm glad that the NCAA cleared him, even though I have many, many questions about them as an organization to begin with. But uh, glad to see that he's kind of off the schneid. Um, Nothing is, it seems like pretty much nothing is going to come from it at this point. I mean, I'm sure there's a deeper investigation and well, you're right. and, all of that, but for and, now it seems like a dead issue. Yeah, and as we know, there are, this is just one of um, many runners um, in yeah. the world. So it will be interesting to see as more, if more people, um, are, if the FBI is able to get documents what will happen i would personally well the the other part of this that's interesting is that the there's conflicting reports about this sean miller call Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of stuff going on where it's like i don't know it's it's all uh, i have no doubt that a lot of this if not all of it happened i don't (laughs) think it's i mean it did but just to you would like to think that people have the stories a little more buttoned up before you you run with it instead of just you know trying to capitalize on the heat of the moment being near March Madness. And sure. So it's just an interesting situation. I like to think that – and the, here's the other thing that just as a completely like superfluous thing, like I think if you are really worried about Tom Izzo being involved in some of this stuff, look at the players he didn't get. Sure. I'm just saying. Like it, look at all of these guys that didn't end up coming to Michigan State that you were in on until the last second. You wonder about Brian Bowen. Brian Bowen wasn't – he had every chance to commit to Michigan State, and then MSU kind of pulls off on him, and he kind of pulls off on them. Well, I, I wonder why. Think about it. I I'm mean, just saying. And, I, and I'm, what I'm not going to do is allege that a lot of other kids that didn't come to our school. No, but but there were quite a few. There are there have been few, some. There have been quite a few five-star, highly ranked players that Michigan State has not landed, and and. 
you know, you can say that to to some programs which correct. may or may not be named yes. in these reports or reports to come. Thank so you. Um, that's it. Again, yeah, we don't want to allege that they all did it, but it, you're never going to convince me that, that some of them didn't. Um, all right, so. That's our conspiracy corner. Uh, <laughs> moving ahead to the stuff that everybody wants to talk about now, um, the Big Ten tournament. Oh man, your I, Spartans are the number one seed. I, is it is it bad that like you said that and I immediately was I'm like I love the Big Ten tournament. Oh I no, it is a phenomenal. Love. And this year, Jim really Delaney like in all of his infinite wisdom <laughs> threw us in. The JV game of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's it's. We've talked about it a few times here. I I hate it. I hate everything about it. I don't hate having it in New York. That's fine. There's gonna be like eight people who care. Play at the Barclays or something. Right. I mean, that's fine. That's all well and good. You saw. You had to see this coming years ago when they made the again infinitely wise choice to add Rutgers to the mix. Um, Ooh, I, and I have some on them. Yeah, should have seen the face on John right there. Um, you know, you had to kind of see this coming, but uh, the fact that Delaney's was willing to cram it in a week before is upsetting, especially now that we're we're in the here and now. And um, it is very possible. I mean, there is there is this is just the way to to look at it. No matter how Michigan State does in this tournament, mm-hmm. they will have at least at least eleven days off between games. Now, well, maybe here's what. With a maximum of possibly 14. Now, I look at this, and I think, as little as I like this situation, of all the teams that this shouldn't really affect, mm-hmm. and all of the teams that, and all the situations the Michigan State team could find themselves in going into the tournament, I think this is the best possible one. Because, not given the circumstances, I would okay. much rather be playing again we finish Sunday, we play the next Thursday. 100% rather be doing that. However, in this case, Michigan State is going to be in all likelihood mm-hmm. a number one or a number two seed. I suppose it's possible they could be a three it's if possible. they lose that first game. It's mm-hmm. possible. But even so, you're a top three seed. You have a ton of talent. Um, and you're probably not going to be playing a team that's – I mean, you're going you're to be playing at the highest of 14 – seed you should find yourself in a position to win both of your first two games and, and so in this and, and it's not like msu is like if you look at last year so for the, the example i come back to is michigan last year okay like i think if michigan last year runs into this situation mm-hmm. i don't think they make the sweet 16 because you got to ride that heat wave i mean having I two you. weeks off yeah is a that can completely squash your momentum, and I don't think Michigan State is reliant upon momentum to get to where they want to get to. I think you're totally right. This is a team that we've seen is able to play under all types of circumstances and right. win fast, Iowa, slow, Wisconsin, with no time off. Um, Everyone. Every time. <laughs> you know, um, neutral, PK-80, um, away games, a lot. Only lost one. I mean, they've proven to really not be phased, and then you put in all the distractions. Yeah. So you're right. I think this is not a team that is needs momentum of any stretch of the word. Um, yeah. It still will be interesting to see a team have that many days off and then have to go quickly to two and three days. 
Yeah, it'll be a really interesting turnaround. I mean, but again, the reason the reason why I think this is the best, given the circumstances, MSU is in the best position they could possibly be in, is because that first game is coming against, and you know, I'm, I'm knocking on wood here, given what happened a few years ago, but your first game is coming against an opponent that you should beat handily. You'd think. You should beat handily. So I think as first weekends go, mm-hmm. I wouldn't really worry too much about the first game. Second game, you're you're talking about two games in three days, and you know, that's 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 different, but you should be coming off of a game where your subs play a lot. Well, I'll tell you what. And I know I'm spitting in the face of karma right now. I, and if it if it happens, it's my fault. Well, and I will what, quit Twitter. I'll tell you what. It's an it's an interesting part of the year because, you know, we have been looking forward to this probably for the last 12 months since they were eliminated. Yeah. The team was eliminated by Kansas, right? Certainly since uh, uh, Bridges months. came back. Right. And and even when he w- we thought he wasn't, we were looking yeah. forward to this. Yeah, he was year. a damn good team either way. Um, and, you know, the scary part for me was when I was just looking at some things and saying, this team has between a maximum of nine games and a minimum of two games left. Yeah, it's sad. Two. I know. It's very real. It's, it's absolutely possible. And, uh, you know... I don't think that'll happen, but it's absolutely possible. So let, let's look at the so let's look at the beginning of the tournament. So we, Michigan State kicks off against uh, either Maryland or Wisconsin, and I would be very very wary of a uh, Maryland team. I don't want to play either of them. Well, I think we always have talked. I think we've talked about in the past podcasts the old adage: you can you can almost never beat a team three times. It's tough. Well. Fortunately, um, <laughs> we're going to test that one way or the other here. We have to do it. And uh, Maryland, I think, was a much tougher game. Um, I guess the road both, game. They both were tough. Wisconsin on the road was tough, too. We're going to see an, a neutral game. Um, for me, I am more nervous about a Maryland game. Um, when we talked about, was I think last week, when a team has to win the entire thing, that is so daunting. That is yeah. so overwhelming. When a Maryland team, now they lost to Michigan and put themselves in a really, really bad situation. Not mm, only will they got have to be smoked. By not Michigan. only will they have to beat Wisconsin, they will have to beat uh, Michigan State, and then probably, and then most have to beat a team in the semis to get, and to even get it considered mm. if they lose in the championship. Yeah. That said, because they will be more, in my opinion, desperate than a Wisconsin team who. Not that they won't care or won't be trying. I think a Maryland team. Yeah, but but I, th- I see exactly what you're saying. I think a win for Wisconsin. Wisconsin has so has got to be so much hungrier in a way, mm-hmm. and they have no pressure on them because listen, they're not going to the postseason unless they win this tournament. They're yeah. not going to the postseason, so they don't have their eyes set on like, oh, where are we going to end up? Yeah, There's yeah. none of that pressure on them. And a win against Michigan State would be. It be it is their tournament. It's their Final Four. It's everything. So you're saying you're saying Wisconsin's going to harder game than Maryland. Um, no, I'm saying that I think Wisconsin will win that game. I'm not saying okay, that between the two. I'd rather play Wisconsin again than Maryland because Wisconsin gave Michigan State everything they had in this last game, mm-hmm. and it's not much. Exactly, it's not much. It's just not a very good team, and yep. that's fine. That's They've been better well. this year, but that's how I, feel. I think in that game, I think Wisconsin. I mean. I think Maryland's the better team. I don't think yep. it's that big of a leap to say that, but um, I think Wisconsin will win, and then I think Michigan State, they're going to get a, a tougher game, but 
honestly, it's two games in two days. Wisconsin doesn't have a lot to begin with. I, I, I see Michigan State. I would, I would rather play Wisconsin. I completely agree with you. And I think I think Wisconsin wins that game. So um, let's jump ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple other scenarios, and uh, I've run a, a few simulations in. We talked about the seeding. Um, we'll be definitely we will see how they plays out depending on how they Michigan State plays in the Big Ten. If Michigan State loses to anyone, Maryland, Wisconsin, Michigan, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, all the teams that are in front of them, um, they are a three seed. I just don't see a way they can get a two seed after, especially when you you take having a week off for everyone else to gain ground. Mm -hmm. I think you can look at it that way instead of falling back. Yeah, I can definitely see that. They are a three seed. If Michigan State wins the Big Ten tournament but does not play Ohio State or Purdue, there's a real chance they will not get a one seed. Mm-hmm. Regardless of being regular season and uh, Big yeah. Ten tournament champions. 31-3. and three. There is a very real chance and likely chance that they will not be a number one seed because of those quality wins we've talked about. And obviously if they do win and do have a chance to play either Ohio State or Purdue, they are... Book it one seed. Yeah, I can not see a. Scenario. I can't imagine. Getting, I cannot yeah. see a scenario because you're probably beating. Well, theoretically, you'd beat Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. To, if they to play go. Michigan, that would be another quad one win. Right. So you're adding Nebraska, two. That's quad two. Either way, you're adding two really quality wins. So that brings us to uh, to a new segment. Oh. Uh, so as you look at this, the, the way that this tournament is set up. Um, you know, with Purdue and Ohio State ending up as the two and the three seeds, uh, Michigan ending up on the top half of the bracket, mm-hmm. you look at this and you think, oh, wow, this is a chance for a little bit of a redemption tour for Michigan State. You have the chance to play the two teams that they lost to in the regular season. That's right. But on the flip side of that, mm-hmm. it's redemption for literally every other team. You have the chance to end up playing, instead of Michigan and Ohio State, maybe Nebraska and Purdue and Wisconsin. Like, uh. You're talking about a chance for that script to get completely flipped. So the uh, new segment, really creative title we're going with here, but it's called uh, Do We Like This? Do We Uh, Like This Setup? Which scenario do I... I love love this if we get to play a Michigan team Mm -hmm. and an Ohio State team. Uh, I do not like having to beat teams that are playing for their uh, tournament lives. Correct. Nebraska. Correct. Being one. Um, Maryland, to an extent, being another. Um, and Purdue, not playing for their tournament lives, but being real mad. Yeah, real salty. <laughs> because Michigan State was that first domino, and they've yeah. been struggling down the stretch here. So how about you? Um, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, I do not like playing. I do not want to play Purdue again. And it's not because Michigan State can't win by any stretch because we've seen them do it before and I'm confident they could do it again. But if you talk about motivation, yep. no, and we talked about it last week, nobody going to have more than Purdue coming in to play Michigan State. you got a lot of salty teams. I, I mean, because really, uh, and I don't even know where the exception is. I don't even know if there is an exception in the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan State played a close game against every team. Yep. There was at least one of the two games yes. that MSU played that were competitive. 
The final score may have ended up a little higher, but Minnesota says nah. Well, except Minnesota. That's that's the one where it's like never mind. <laughs> but because uh, it's just worked out crazy that MSU played Ohio State, Purdue, and Michigan all three one time, lost two of those games, and then beat the other in this crazy fashion. But the rest of those teams, literally the rest of the conference, aside from Minnesota, sorry, um, played Michigan State tough for at least a stretch, which is, by the way, is not something that necessarily worries me as a fan. Okay. Because that's what I would expect from them. Right. It's a conference game. Michigan State was literally never ranked lower than ninth all season. Which is another crazy statistic about this year. I'm surprised he got that low. Yeah. Well, it was after they lost to Michigan. He lost two out of three got in it. a week. Um, to the two. And at the time, those schedule questions were very real. And they still kind of are. But um, every other team is going to come in thinking, we can beat these guys. Sure. Like, we can beat these guys. We can put that stamp on our season. And for every other team, it is it is their big, It would be their biggest win of the year, probably. I mean, it would be the, the signature... Like, you use that to roll in next year no matter what happens in your games afterwards. Right. You say, we beat Michigan State in the tournament. We saw flashes from Bob, Joe, and Steve. <laughs> like, we're going to be good. So, um, Clearly I, Wisconsin. Yes. Oh, yeah. Brad. Um, Ethan. We – yeah. So, I don't, uh, I don't love that. But, man, do I love the opportunity to play Michigan and Ohio State because you want to talk about motivation – Right. That flips everything right back on its ear. Like, yeah, Ohio State would probably be pissed because they, you know, blew the Big Ten. But uh, MSU would look at that in a championship game and say, these are the two, only one of two teams in this league that beat us, and it's Ohio State, big rival. Michigan, I think, explains itself. That's right. I mean, that was the that was the low point of MSU's season. There's Absolutely. no no question. And to have the chance to redeem that in the tournament and, you know, maybe knock Michigan down a seed line. Well, is, I think it, it'll be it, a, a really nice game um, if the opportunity comes. But, you know, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Right. The Maryland uh, game, in my opinion. Right, of course. But it's, we're talking about whether we like the opportunity. So, love it. Yeah. Love the opportunity. Okay. So, uh, talking about that, that next tournament, um, it, it's coming. I, I want to give one thought, basically. So, okay. well, let's look at this. Right now, We've got MSU probably slotting in. You kind of laid out the 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 ideas there. It's probably you could be anywhere from a one to a three. I think just playing the odds, it's probably a two seed. Yep, it'll be most likely a two seed. Yeah, based on the way things are going to break, um, theoretically. But uh, I have to say, regardless of the seed, you have to be excited about MSU pretty much regardless of who ends up in their bracket. Like it, this team is so, so perfectly built for March. Yep. And they are now, you really can't. So what, when you look at teams that succeed in March, you look at teams that have great coaches. Yep. You look at teams that have top level talent, NBA talent, um, teams that cannot, they do not have one fatal flaw. They don't have one true Achilles heel. One, None of the teams that ever succeed in March, you look at and think that is a one-dimensional team. If you take this one thing away from them, yeah. they're nothing. And MSU fits, fits every single stereotype that you want, every archetype you want from a team heading into March. Right. Top-level NBA-ready talent that is proven and ready. 
You've got uh, one of the best point guards in the entire country. You've got one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire country. One of the best rebounding the teams in the entire country. One of the best, if not the, no, the best defensive team in the entire country. They've got experienced depth in both the front yeah. and the backcourt. They have a Hall of Fame coach. Helps. And they get to play their first, in, in potentially their first two games in their own backyard. Ideally. I, they're battle-tested. I know the Big Ten's down, but I'm going to sound like Dockage here, which I'm really sorry about. <laughs> but going on the road and winning your road games in the Big Ten is tough, no matter who, no matter the quality of the opponent. That's not an easy thing to do. That's right. Um, so you've done that. You're about to go through a tournament where if you come out of this on top, you're feeling incredibly good. They're going to be well-rested. So should someone roll an ankle or something this week, knock on wood, should be ready to go in two weeks. Hadn't considered that. I'm just it. It's another another thought. I have a hard time. Like there, there are going to be teams you don't want to play. Absolutely, there are. There always are. And Michigan State has had the turnover bug. No question, they had 12 turnovers or something like that against Wisconsin. It's come back to bite them many times. But as I look at this team, I don't think. I mean, look at what they just did against Wisconsin. Your two NBA talents just went two of 13 from range. Yep. And you still won the game. I mean, you've had games where you've turned the ball over 25 times and still won the game. You've yet to have a bad loss. It's pretty good. I, all I'm saying is great teams across the country have bad games, and they have one thing that they do wrong, and, and they're a mess. They're, they're and they lose. Sorts, right? And they lose games. You're that right. doesn't happen to Michigan State. And yeah, they flirted with it, but that like, almost makes me feel better. No, that's a really good point. I mean, this is a team that has has shown that they are capable of winning in tons of different ways. The only, and this is maybe isn't a concern, I feel like we've only seen, <laughs> we're almost like this shapeshifting team. Yeah. We will play everyone else's style and be better than you at it. Yep. We played one game, I feel like, this year where we played our style, too. Purdue and Minnesota, where we dictated what was happening. Yeah. Obviously, we won both games, one by a blowout which we should have, and won in a close game against a really good team. I, I would love if they, if maybe we started dictating a little more. Yeah, it'll, I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I agree with that. You hate to always play into the opponent's hands, but when you're more talented and pretty much better at what other teams do, and the thing is, well, the way MSU asserts themselves is on the glass and defensively. Like, they win that battle the majority of the time. Yeah. And it keeps other teams from getting into things that they want to do. I mean, talk about Purdue. They took Purdue out of what they love to do. That's right. By playing, and I was couldn't have been more wrong about this at the time, um, by playing Haas straight up. Ew. And it, listen, MSU is just good. They're just really good. Yeah. <laughs> like the, it's, it's a supremely talented. Yeah, that's hashtag analysis right there. But... Um, you know, this Big Ten tournament's going to be really interesting. I think some teams come in uh, pretty hot. Michigan especially is pretty hot. Um, it's going to be interesting once we get into the to the actual tournament to see if these four to five teams can can do something. I think I'm pretty confident MSU is going to going to do well. But you know, it's um, we're in it now, man. It's exciting. This is what, like we said, we've been waiting for this all year, um, and. Uh, if you're not excited, I mean, if you're not excited, you're not I alive. Know, I don't know what you want, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like we said, 
Big Ten tournament kicks off uh, Thursday with the 11-14 and 12-13 games. Uh, but then, you know, the real the real juice. Or no, I guess it's Wednesday. It kicks off on Wednesday. That's right. And then Thursday. And then, wow, it's a long tournament. That's um, why the double bye is nice. Yep. So Michigan State starts with that double bye. Uh, first game's on Friday. So one big question. Then we're going to wrap up. Which team do you feel is most likely to make the semifinals that does not have a double bye? Mm. Ooh, I like this. So it, it is not, you yeah. cannot pick from Michigan State, Ohio yep. State, Purdue, or Nebraska. Oh, goodness. Um, Michigan. Okay. I think Michigan, the semifinals. So that's the, that means they got to win two games. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, I would probably say Michigan, um, only because I think that's a really that's a that's not a bad team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're kind of built for tournament play in a way. Um, however, I could also see them losing to Illinois. Uh, so I, I, it's a very spread thing for me. The other the other one I'll say, which is, uh, I think Indiana can have two. Okay. Well, I'll say Michigan, but I, my sleeper is Indiana. Indiana I mean, is mine, and, and, okay. and the reason why is because. Um, they played Purdue really tough at home. They don't like each other. Uh, you know, I, I think – I don't think that they are nearly as talented as Purdue. No. But you just never know once you get them this time of year and Juwan Morgan or something just decides to – Goes hammer time. Just say, you know what, I'm going to do it all well, myself. Well, I think you made a point earlier that, that applies here. It probably means a lot more to Indiana. Absolutely. Absolutely. Per, I mean, Purdue wants the higher seed, but – no, this means this a means, lot. This uh, means a lot to Indiana. So, um, that being said, I, I I would be surprised if either of them made the semifinals. But hopefully, um, we're playing on Saturday yep. against uh, our bitter rival. You know, have your favorite beverage on hand. I will. And uh, I will <laughs> strap in and hopefully enjoy after it. a good Saturday. You can kind of ease into a if all things go well a sun a late Sunday afternoon. Ah, uh, wouldn't that be fun? All right, guys. Well, uh, for John, I am Austin. Um, this is the only podcast, and we will be catching you guys next week with a tournament recap and a, I don't know, opponent conference tournament preview maybe? Sure. Yeah, why not? All right, guys. We, uh, we have been the only podcast, and we will catch you next week. See you.